pen and paper. Record it. I'm talking about I got at least 100 scriptures. I mean, we are going to the Bible today. It's like Pastor Evan has not left you. <laughs> he is here with all his 100 scriptures. <laughs> all right, hold your Bible and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I will not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I glorify you and I thank you, Lord, that today we will just increase in our faith to a whole nother level, Lord, that we will have such perception and insight into what you're doing and what you have provided for us that, God, we will know without a shadow of a doubt we are more than conquerors in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. A.J. All right, so I'm talking to you from the, um, the topic, um, the host or surrounded. We're surrounded. We're sur- surrounded. When I was a kid, I was very unafraid. I mean, I wasn't afraid of anything. Um, I was afraid of ghosts, and um, I did see them. So other than that, I wasn't afraid of people. And so I was always looking for a fight, and I could fight. It's true. And so one of the things is that whenever my brother would like to intimidate people and scare them, then he'd say, oh, I'm going to get my sister on you. Yeah, because the thing is, in Jamaica, it's, it's, it's one thing to be a bad person, you know, like be a bad, angry person, but it's another thing to be a lunatic. At least with a bad person, you know what you're getting. But see, I was more on the lunatic side. So you wouldn't know what you were going to get. So it was kind of like, I'm going to set my sister on you. And, you know, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid of anything. And I wasn't, you know, so I would just kind of, I was his backup. You know, I could, I could be his backup. And, you know, I want to kind of talk about, you know, backup. We have backup. In a pol- police situation, they would say, you know, you know, requesting backup, you know. Or if you're in the military, they would, you know, say, hey, you know, give me reinforcements. Or in football, they call it special teams. You have people who are specially trained, programmed. They, they have what it takes to provide support in crisis situations. Provide support to carry out specific functions. They provide support to help the goal get accomplished. I want you to tell your neighbor you've got backup. In the kingdom of God, these special teams are called angels. They're called angels. They come individually, they come in hosts, and they come in legions. They're the underused resource of the believer. They are so underused. Why? Because we don't know about them. We don't remember that they exist. Or we just don't even believe. But they are so important to helping God's will come to pass in our life and taking things from heaven into the earth. So what is God's will for our life? God's will for our life is in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, hey, I have a plan for you. This plan is good. This plan is filled with hope. And this plan has a good expected end. 
God's plan is good. Psalm 35, 27 says this. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, the Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of his servant. 3 John 2 says this. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The word prospers there is the same word to mean well-being. So people like to knock down prosperity preachers because they misinterpret prosperity preachers as financial preachers. But a prosperity preacher is a person who says that God's will for you is to have well-being. Prosperity in your health. Prosperity in your wealth. Prosperity in your relationships. Prosperity in your peace of mind. Prosperity is an encompassed situation. It's not just financial. That's giving. That is sowing and reaping. But prosperity according to God is the full well-being of his servant. That is God's will for us. So God's will is good. Now, here's the thing. God's will, we know this. Pastor says this all the time. That God's will, we may know it, but it's not automatic. He has a will, but we have to participate in the plan of God to make sure that it comes to pass. Well, here are some things that, that helps God's will come to pass. The first thing is, we have to believe God exists and he is able. The Bible in Hebrews says this, It is impossible to please God without faith, because anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So in order for God's good will to come to pass in our life, First thing is we must believe God exists and he is able. The second thing we must believe is God is exact. God is exact and his word is accurate. Numbers 23, 19 says this. God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he humans that he should repent. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? That's a living Bible. So first thing, God exists and he is able. The second thing, God is exact and his word is accurate. The third thing, God expects me to be in agreement. <laughs> I know we have our own expectations of how we want to live our life, but we have to consistently remember that the Christian life is a life of paradoxes. We humble ourselves to be exalted. We give to receive. And we we, we don't run this life. We submit to him and he brings his will to pass in our life. God expects me to be in agreement. What do I mean? Philippians 2 verse 13 says this. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in accordance to fulfill his good purpose. He expects me to act in accordance to his will so I could fulfill his good purpose. All right. The fourth thing to bring God's will to, to pass is this. God engages the use of angels. God engages the use of angels. And this is so, so very important. Word of truth, if I can get you to understand how God uses angels and that you are never alone, that you have a constant support system, a backup, reinforcements are always around you. There's a great cloud of witnesses.
promises that cheer you on in your race. If you could just grasp that you are never by yourself, you would never have another depressed day because you are not alone. Angelic interaction was so commonplace in the Bible. We are spiritual beings. It should be commonplace for us. But many of us are more familiar with demonic activity than we are with angelic. Many of us can communicate and witness and see and discern demons when they're at play. Oh, that's just a wicked person. That's just some evil right there. Oh, did you see how the devil, that, oh, the devil made me do it. But where do we get and give credence to the angelic hosts that are there on our side? Why have we become more familiar with demons and not angels? I just want to know. Angelic interaction was very commonplace in the Bible. We see it from the beginning to the end. Abraham and Moses and Joshua and Jesus and Cornelius and Peter and Joseph and Elisha and Elijah and Mary. It goes on and it goes on. The woman at the tomb. As spiritual beings, this is a natural progression. We live in two dimensions at the same time. We have the tangible that you see and the intangible that you do not see. We, have, we worship a God that is invis- invisible and because we are spirit beings, then the Bible says whatsoever things you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. It says also that the temporal things are based upon the eternal things. So you have these two dimensions going on at the same time. If you want God's will to come from heaven to earth, you have got to employ spiritual tactics. But many of us are leaning on our own understanding. We're leaning on our own experience. We're leaning on our own education. We are trying to figure it out with our own logic when some of this stuff can only be changed in the spirit. Angels, angels, let's talk about angels. Angels are innumerable. You can't count them. You know, you see these little cartoons, they never demon and an angel. That is not the Bible. The Bible doesn't say a little demon and an angel sitting on your shoulder talking to you all day long. No. Okay, so you, 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 have, you cannot count angels like, oh, every person has one, so that means there's six billion angels in the world. No. Hebrews 12.22 says this, But you are come unto Mount Sinai, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. You don't just have one angel surrounding you. The second thing is this. So angelic interaction was commonplace. Two, angels are innumerable. You can't, you can't just number them. Three, angels are instructed. <laughs> you don't make me shout on this number sale. Oh, Jesus. Angels are instructed to carry out the will of God. This is their job. Psalm 103.20 says this. Bless the Lord, you his angels, that excel in strength. Let's stop, collaborate, and listen. Because they excel in strength. They are not the little cherub-looking things that you see on the Valentine's Day card, Cupid with the bow, just little baby infants that fly with wings. They excel in strength. They are strong. They are mighty. They are not weak. 
They are not small. They're not puny. They are enormous beings with great, enormous strength. And it says, bless the Lord, you angels, that excelling strength, that do his commandments, that hearken unto the voice of his word. Did you know God's word has a voice? My God today. Here's the thing. Many of us want God to intervene where he has not been invited. Our backup system has not been activated, not because it doesn't exist, but because we have not made a request. Those special teams are going to be benched until the coach says, get into the play. That policeman is going to be alone until he gets on that radio and say, requesting backup. Nothing is going to change though you have a host of angels until you invite the participation through your words. The Bible says this, Psalm 34, verse 7, that the angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him and delivers them. Oh, my goodness. Look at your name and say, there are more for you than against you. In 2 Kings 6, 16 to 17, you know, Elijah, Elijah was um, in a situation and there were some armies coming against him. And he and his servant were looking up on the mountain. And on the mountain, they had chariots. And the servant got afraid and said, oh no, Elijah, what are we going to do? Elijah, what are we going to do? And Elijah said this, he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So they saw some chariots up there. But when the revelation came and the servant got to see in the spirit, surrounding them were way more chariots of fire. There's nothing that could impede them. They were protected. When we pray and we say, Lord, encamp a a wall of fire around my friend. Encamp a wall of fire around my family. This is where we are getting this from. There is scriptural basis for this. We have an innumerable, ever-present heavenly host that is assigned to help me. How how do angels help you? I'm so glad you asked because I got answers. First thing, they help you with insight and instruction. Insight and instruction. In Luke 2, the shepherds received instruction where to find Jesus. The angels came and said, hey. You must follow this, you know, you're going to keep walking. And when you get to Bethlehem, you'll get to this inn and so on and so on. So did the wise men. They followed a star. Joseph received instruction from an angel in a dream. Don't go to Jerusalem. Go to Egypt. Go take Mary as your wife. (laughs) Angels will give you insight and instruction. Some of you need parental advice. And you're reading everything. You're reading every book under the sun. We want to start with the Bible. How about that? And then the second thing is Samson's parents. They invited the angel. They said, could you come back? This is what happened. You can go read it for yourself in the book of Judges. 
They were at the threshing floor. The angel came, said, you're going to have a baby. She goes and tells her husband. And then he prays and says, could you come back and tell us how to handle this baby? The angel comes back. Hello. The angel did what he asked. He came back and he said, don't cut his hair. Don't give him strong drink. This is who he is. Gave him specific instructions on parenting Samson. No, we're not saying Samson was obedient. We're just saying that we got the instructions. The second thing, angels, how can they help you? They help with creative ideas. Angels are smart because they take instructions from the greatest mind in all creation. They bring good tidings. They're messengers. They're angelos. Their word, the word means to, like a courier, to carry things. They bear things. They bear news with creative ideas. Let's talk about this. In, um, in Jacob, Jacob in the book of Genesis chapter 31. Jacob in chapter 31. You can go read the whole long thing for yourself. But here's what had happened. Jacob had been working with his father-in-law for many years and had been promised Rachel and his father-in-law swindled him and had to work, he had to work seven more years. But it was in a dream that an angel came to him and said, take the spotted and the striped and mix them together and take this tree and do all this kind of stuff. He gave him a creative idea that created wealth for Jacob so much more that it was greater than his father-in-law. So even though somebody is cheating you, even though somebody's taking something for you, even though somebody's doing you wrong on your job, all you need to do is employ your angel to get your creative idea. Angels, how do they help me? They help me with strength to continue. Strength to continue. You ever been in some situations that you just want to give in and give up and give out? I, I've been in those situations. I don't necessarily want to like kill myself. I just want to go somewhere far away where there's no cell phone. That's kind of like what I would do. You know what I mean? I would like, okay, take me to Haiti, you know, give me a fire and a chicken and I'm good. <laughs> strength to continue, strength to continue. In the book of 1 Kings 19, Elisha. He had this great victory. He had just finished fighting Jezebel. You know, and the prophets of Baal came and God had a showdown and he lit up the altar. And he showed that he was God. And Elijah just kind of got exhausted from the big victory. Ran away. He heard Jezebel was upset and he was over there crying and having a pity party. And he just went on his way. And the angel, the Bible says, came and fed him. Twice. And he touched him. Gave him strength. But Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He wasn't ready to die. He didn't want to die. That's why the Bible talks about that the, the sweat was like drops of blood. There is a medical condition for that. When your blood capillaries break because of such immense stress that it begins to mix with the sweat. The blood breaks just like you have a nosebleed. It comes from your, 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 your pores in your forehead. He was incredibly stressed. And the Bible says here in the, um, the book of Matthew, verse four, chapter 4, that angels came and strengthened Jesus. 
He strengthened, they, they strengthened him after they were, he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil came and he was tempting him and testing him. And he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And after the devil left, the Bible says, and angels came and strengthened him. Sometimes you need strength to continue. You need to call your angels. Tell them, bring some strength. Angels, how did they help me? They helped me with protection. Psalm 91, 11 says this. He gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. Angels, how do they help us? They help us with victory in warfare. In warfare. You know, in Exodus 23, verse 20, Moses had an angel that led him specifically to the promised land. Angels lead us in victory and in warfare. Isaiah 37 says this, that again, the battle against the Assyrians, the angels stood before and stood in the midst. We see it in the Garden of Eden. The angels blocked them out from going back in. Angels have been present all the time, and they did not die when Jesus did. They still exist. They're still functioning today, and angels help us with healing. John 5, verse 4. We know the story of the, the, you know, the man that was over there by the pool of Bethesda. He said, what are you doing here? He said, well, I'm just waiting. He was paralyzed. And he said, I'm waiting because an angel comes from heaven. And when he stirs the water, if you can get into the water, you'll be healed. Angels assist with healing. So what do I do now? What do I do now? I know God's plan is good for me. I know God will use angels to help carry out that plan. I know this is different ways that angels can help. They can help with instructions. They can help with creative ideas. They can help with strength to continue. They can help with protection. They can help with victory and warfare. And they can help with healing. But, but how do I get them commissioned? How do I get them involved? How do I utilize my angels? Not abuse my angels. How do I utilize my angels in the plan of God? I said this before, to get your angels involved, they must be invited. Let's turn to Matthew 26, Matthew 26, Matthew 26. Are you understanding anything so far? All right, Matthew 26, verse 50. The first way you involve your angelic host. I am trying to increase your faith for angelic participation. The first way is through prayer. 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 Matthew 26, 50, verse 54 says this. And this was when um, Jesus was getting ready to be you know, persecuted and go through the whole process of the cross. Verse 50. And it says, and Jesus said unto him, Friend, where art thou come? This is Ju addressing Judas. Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and took his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. I'm telling you, man, the Bible is so full of drama. You do not need to watch nothing on primetime TV right here. <laughs> I mean, you've got, you know, all this kind of, fighting going on. I think this would be a Chinese movie, wouldn't you? 
It had to be a ninja stuff because, I mean, right, just his ear fell off. That's ninja precision now. I'm telling you. I know. I know. P Peter was Chinese. <laughs> had to be. And uh, he drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote of his ear. Then Jesus said, put up again your sword in its place. For all that take the sword shall perish by the sword. <laughs> this is how you know Jesus is the boss right here. Jesus is like the ultimate boss. <laughs> he says, think thou or don't you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he should give me more than 12 legions of angels? Don't get it twisted. You don't think I can pray to my father and get more than 12 legions of angels? But how are the scriptures going to be fulfilled? Let this be. Let's get a perspective of this. 12 legions of angels. Because you go, oh, 12 legions of angels. You just kind of think 12 big, strong angels. <laughs> Let's break it down for you. <laughs> Had to go online. Get some math done. Okay, Isaiah 37, 36. I want to show you my logic in this. Isaiah 37, 36 says this. In, in this fight that they had, there was one angel, one angel destroyed 185,000 men in one night. One angel. Let's put the math. A legion is around 600 because legion was a Roman term used for soldiers. So it would have been familiar. And he said here, um, the operative word would be, Pray to my father and he would presently, not in the future, presently, right now, give me more than 12 legions. But we're just going on the low end. That is just 12. Not the more. All right. So we got 12. We got 6,000, right? 6,000 is in a legion. One angel destroys 185,000. But Jesus says more than 12. So we go 12 times 6. You with me? Equals 72,000. Because 6,000 per legion. You with me? All right. So we had 72,000. So the combined strength of only one legion, just one legion, not 12 legions, one legion would be 6,000 times 185,000, which would give me 1.1 billion. That's just the one legion. But we're going to the 12. So, 72,000 angels being 12 legions would be, would have the minimum combined power to destroy 13.3 billion people. Let that just sink. When Jesus said, don't you know I have a choice in engaging my angels. And for your sake, I choose not to engage them. That would have wiped out the entire population of the earth. We only have 6 billion people living. Think on that. How do you activate your angels? Through prayer. Through prayer. Our angels invite God in. We see that with Daniel and he prayed. 
And when he prayed, the archangel came and said, Daniel, from the moment you prayed, from the second you opened your mouth, man, I was on task. I was getting this thing to you. But there was a prince of Persia, an enemy spirit that was hindering me, but I would not be delayed. I was not going to be denied. I was not going to lose because I'm an archangel. And it took me three weeks, Daniel, but I got your answer here. You have to pray. You want angelic participation and interaction? Open your mouth and pray. The minute you pray, God is making intercession for you on your behalf and angels. The Bible says that Jacob saw a dream and they were going up and they were coming down. They were taking what you were saying up and they were taking God's answer back down. You've got angels on your side. You are not alone. It was prayer that caused the angel to respond to the apostles in that cell that night. And they prayed and an angel came and loosed the chains and let them out of prison. (laughs) It was prayer that caused the angel to come in the middle of the wilderness and heard Hagar and provided a way for her and provided a promise for her. Angels, they're activated when you pray. First John, First John 5, 14 to 15 says this. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will. Now they told you what his will was. He will hear us. And we know that he hears us. We don't guess. We don't hope. We know that he hears us. Whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desired of him. Believers, too many of us are hoping and guessing and wishing and begging and pleading. And manipulating and trying to bribe God's will. When the fact is, you and I know what we ask, we have desired of him. What is his will? His word. We read earlier in Psalm 103, angels hearken, take heed to, obey, and carry out the voice of his word. Hmm. Stop confusing your angels. Because you have some fallen angels. And just like your angels can hear, so can the other ones. And if they hearken to the voice of his word, that's what your angels are listening for. But the other angels are listening to the voice of your word. That is why when we harp on it and we tell you whatsoever things you say, you shall have, it is true. Because when you speak the word of God, your angels go into activation. They begin to carry the voice of his word to pass. But when you start saying, boy, I feel sick and I'm this, then there's demonic activity that brings it to pass too. If angels can work in this realm, so can demonic forces. Stop confusing your angels. One minute they're on commission, the next minute you decommission them. The one minute bring me strength, the next commission you, I can do it all by myself. I don't need any help. 
It's like they're doing a dance. They start to go, they stop. They're like salsa. They need to be onward moving. They're activated by your prayers, but they're activated by your proclamation. We must say the right things. If you have your Bible, hold it up to your ear for me. Do you hear anything? I, I just want to be clear. You sure you don't hear nothing? Just You know why? Because we give voice to this word. <laughs> you give voice to the word. You must proclaim the word. Jesus said that the word is spirit. John 4, 24. And they are life. The word is spirit. We cannot lose sight that we are spiritual beings living in a tangible world. So when you speak these words and you give God's words, on, put them on your lips, those words get carried on the wings of the wind into your future to bring back what is necessary to fulfill the will of God in your life. And what is that will? That will is to prosper you. And keep you in good health. And strengthen you. That is what it is. Jesus did this when he was in the wilderness. And he said it is written. It is written. It is written. Finally. You know. Um, they are activated through my pledges. Here's the thing. When I, 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 I talk to my angels all the time. I, I had forgotten for a while they were there. I did. Because, you know, sometimes I get, like I said, I get, I'll get focused on the demonic activity because I can spot them so quickly. When you've had a lot of experience with the demonic, you just kind of see them. <laughs> but I was saying to myself, no. But I am very aware of my angels when I am 40,000 feet in the air. You want to talk about somebody going to fasting and intercession fast? Keep me on a flight. Because once that turbulence hits, that is all the little pilots have to say. Um. Smooth ride, and I'd be like, yeah, but and they go, oh, sorry, I, without fail. I mean, I'm ready to cruise, and then he'll come on and say, the next 25 minutes is going to be choppy, and I'd be like, oh, no, 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 because I can't jump out of here and skydive, so I need to have a safe landing. So I would be right there in my seat, and I do not care if the person next to me hears, and I don't care because... The, they will be saved because of my prayers. They will thank me later. But I sit right here and I say, Lord, I declare that you have given your angels charge over me, that my foot would not dash against a stone. God, just like Jesus spoke to the winds and the waves, I speak to my angels and I say, make a clear path for this plane. I command you to steady this plane. I command you to remove every air pocket out of my way and make this a smooth ride. And I am telling you, 10 times out of 10, I have a smooth flight. I will be shaking and then the pilot will come back on and he will say, well, I guess it's a smooth flight. And I say, yes, it is. Because my angels know I don't like turbulence. I don't like it in my life, and I don't like it in the plane, and I don't like it, period. 
I'm allergic to trouble. I don't want any stress. I've had enough drama in my life. I just want good days, good days, good days. <laughs> and if it's a bad day, if I pray, it's going to turn around for my good. So I'm going to have good days. <laughs> Let me finish this with you. Last point. They're activated through your pledges. Through your pledges, your vows, when you make a commitment and a vow to God. You can make a financial vow to God, or you can make a vow to God with your life, or you can make a vow to serve, or however you do. I, I make promises to God all the time. I mean, when I'm in trouble, my, my biggest thing is, Lord, the next person I see, I'm going to lead them to the Lord. I've been making vows like that all the time. And I, I keep my vows, too. So when I went on vacation, I was like, we're not leaving without people coming to the Lord. And you heard Pastor Eben talk about it last week. Well, I was the one that led the three people. I know he, didn't know, he made it sound like it was he. It was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gave her the $50 and then I, I went and, you know, did the rest of the work. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, because I was determined. I said, Lord, I want two people, two people. I make a commitment to lead two people to the Lord before I, I leave this place. And three of them came to the Lord. So you got to make a vow. It doesn't have to just be financial. It can be, you know, you're going to give your life. You're going to serve him, whatever you want to do. But either way, angels are activated through their our pledges. Here's the thing. Psalm 66, 12 through 14 says this. When they, they were in trouble, they were delivered. It says this. So some of you may be in trouble. Some of you may be in a turbulent situation. But you got to fulfill your vows. It says this. You brought us into the net. You laid an oppressive burden upon our loins. You made men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you brought us out into a place of abundance. I shall come into your house with burnt offerings. I shall pay you my vows. When you're in trouble, sometimes you have to sow a seed. Sometimes you have to make a promise. Sometimes you have to make a vow to get deliverance. Genesis 28 talks about the story of Jacob. We talked about him going up and, you know, seeing angels going up and down. We call it Jacob's ladder. But right after that, if you go and read that in Genesis 28, right after he sees that angelic, that dream, because angels, they come in dreams, they can come in physical visitation, like they did to Lot. You know, when they, when, when Jacob had that vision, that dream of the angels going up and down, he got up and he took a stone and he said, surely this is a place of God. Surely this is a place where I met God. And he made a, a landmark. And when he made a landmark, he made a vow. He said, God, if you'll deliver me and bring me back to my people, I'll give you a tenth of all I have. I'll tithe. I couldn't believe it. Right after he made the commitment to tithe, he met Rachel. Some of you are looking here for your spouse on singles.com, christianme.com. Every kind of dot com. Blacklove.com. When really, your vow, fulfilling your vow in tithing, fulfilling your promises to the Lord, whatever commitments you made to Him, your spouse may be on the other side of your promise, not on the other side of your keystroke. So in review, we involve our angels by giving voice to God's word. We give voice to God's word through praying, through proclaiming it, 
and through paying our vows. Now, I just want to encourage you. The support teams are already trained. They're prepared. They're capable and willing. But as long as they are not called into action, they remain bystanders and just mere witnesses. We are the people of God. And angelic involvement or participation is natural for us. So I want you to stand up. The angels didn't die with Jesus. They're here on assignment to do the assigned will of God. So we should only declare those things. Declare the will of God. I want you to say this faith confession with me. Please change that music. If you say this faith confession with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. I declare your word to be true. You have given angels charge over me. I repent for moments of undisciplined speech, murmuring and complaining. I know my supernatural future is at stake. So I make a covenant with my lips to give voice to your word. Your word says your plan is to prosper me. Give me hope, a future to remove sickness and to hide me under your shadow. Your angels are encamped all around me. They will witness my obedience to you and are ready to bring to pass your will for my life. I have total peace. I am surrounded in Jesus' name. If you would bow your heads, everyone. And I don't know if you're out there and you're in trouble right now. I don't know what your situation is. But I'm asking you to make a vow to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm inviting you to ask him into your heart today. I'm asking you to make that decision, to make that promise to give him your life. For there's angels that are given charge over you who are ready to watch you on your way. But they cannot participate unless they're invited. Jesus cannot participate in your heart unless he's invited. And so I want to give you the opportunity. I'm not here to embarrass you. I don't want to make you stand out. But I definitely don't want to close a meeting without giving you a chance to get in on the goodness of God. So if you are out there today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, all I'm going to ask you to do with no one looking is just to slip your hand up so I can see it. And then I'm going to acknowledge you because I want to pray with you. When we agree, the miracles can happen. So if you would, at this time, I see your hand right there. Anyone else? You could just shoot your hand up. I see your hand in the back. 